Welcome to the Made for Mondays podcast, where each week we talk about how to be love in our day-to-day lives. Now, here are your hosts, Executive Director at Believer's Church, Heather Carl, and Senior Pastor of Believer's Church, James Stewart. Welcome to Made for Mondays. I am Jamie, one of the pastors at Believer's Church. Today, I am your host, although let's be honest, I'm doing some talking today also. Uh, But I have a special guest with me today. Heather is out of town, so it is my privilege to welcome to the podcast for the very first time, Doug Vance. Doug is a teaching pastor at Believers, teaching regularly on Sundays at the table, our young adult ministry, and for real, our student ministry. Doug Vance, how are you today? Pretty good. It's uh, it's awesome to be here. I love podcasts, so I've been, you do. I've been eagerly waiting to be a part of the Made for Mondays podcast. Okay, so I don't want to call you out or anything, mm-hmm. but you say you love podcasts, but I know for a fact you have not listened to all of these podcasts. I have not listened. <laughs> I haven't listened to all of, of a lot of the podcasts that yeah. I, I have on my phone. Yeah. Actually, right now I have like 15 podcasts in my back. Well, I have to listen yeah. to Yeah. I mean, this, this podcast, though, is one that is... Like your church does this uh-huh. one. Oh yeah, yeah. This, huh. you could say this is like the most important one. <laughs> yeah, you could. Yeah. And and if a staff member is not regularly mm-hmm. listening, it makes me it validates my feeling that there's around eighteen or so people who actually listen. I think we could we could double that maybe. We could double it if all the staff listen. <laughs> Let's do this. And if we all invite one person to listen yeah. with us, ah, uh, that's so good. That's kind of like evangelism. Yeah. If each one invites one, mm-hmm. wow. We could have 36 listeners next week. This is the modern-day evangelism. <sighs> this is so good. Oh, well, this podcast, it's all about the teachings that we do on Sundays and figuring out how we can move them into Monday through Friday and um, you know, put some handles on it and go a little bit deeper so that uh, the conversation, you know, all the work that goes into a message, you know about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many messages do you prepare a week? Oh, gosh. Just on average? Yeah, on average. So at least two. Yeah. Um, if I'm, you know, helping on Sunday, you kind of throw that one in there, too. You're a heavyweight. <laughs> I do one, and it's killing me. Yeah. I wouldn't say heavyweight. <laughs> <laughs> eh, I but don't know. It is. It's, I mean, but it, it seems like a lot, but you kind of get into a rhythm and a flow mm-hmm. where it's just, um, you know, you have your routines, and you, you kind of plan out your topics ahead of time. and Yeah. And I and you probably do the same thing. Like as I get into it, I start thinking about it even outside of the oh, office. Yeah. I'll have like dreams about yes. ideas or illustrations and it yeah, it's just like it's a nonstop process. Yeah. It is a nonstop process. And for me it's very torturous. I don't know if you go through this, but I go through like almost every single message I put together. I'll I'll have lots of ideas and then I start and then it stalls and it gets terribly messy and mm-hmm. then I'll go like twenty four hours where I don't accomplish anything at all. <laughs> And then there's like this breakthrough the next day sometime, usually at the very last minute, and it all gets clear to me. And does that ever happen to you, or is that just a me No, it, it does, yeah. Okay. It's weird, because um, to me, that's that wall, right? Uh-huh. Where you start with an idea that you're excited about, and you start filling in the content. And then you hit a wall where you're just like, oh, this is trash. <laughs> this isn't going to work. Yes. No one's going to think this is important. Yes. Um, and I've, I've actually, like, I've actually deleted messages before because you hit that wall and I'm just like, I'm just going to start over. Oh no, I don't do that. I I open up a new document and start over, Uh but I hang on to the old one in (laughs) case the new one is even worse. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I've I've done that before and afterwards regretted it because I feel like if, if I would have refined it or at least given it a little bit more time, it it would have worked. I think that wall is so difficult to work through though. And it's kind of, 
is disheartening and yeah, yeah, it's difficult. Well, this is not. I say all that to say we put a lot of work into messages, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a shame for a message to just die the moment it's delivered. And so this podcast is about helping people to process it during the week and take it with them during the week. And hopefully, uh, in my wildest dreams, it makes the work of a message even more worth it because people will continue to grapple with uh, some of the truth that was presented. Uh, So before we discuss this week's message, which you taught yesterday in the new series, hashtag goals, I want to pick your brain a little bit on... Millennial, Gen Z, is there one after Gen Z yet? Uh, yeah, there's got to be, right? Yeah, it's, it's almost time. <laughs> the I, one feel, they're, they're I feel like it's almost it. time. Uh, so give us an update on For Real and The Table. What's been going on since the shutdown? Uh, when are you guys going to be meeting again? Just give us a, a, a sidebar. Doug loves three-hour podcasts, so oh, this yeah. one is not going to be three hours. So, Doug, give us a, a brief little update on those things. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so it's been it's been strange, right? So trying to build a thriving community online. Um, we've been meeting in Zoom groups. We've been trying to do our best to stay connected, um, you know, the best we can. Um, and one thing we've been challenging our leaders throughout the whole quarantine is just to learn from it, to not be so quick to try to move to the new normal, whatever that looks like. Um, but to actually learn from, you know, some of the takeaways during quarantine. So uh, what works when we try to build community online? How can we take that and bring it over to the, um, when we're actually meeting again in person? So um, we've learned a ton of good lessons, I think, things that maybe in the past we thought were working, but through quarantine we realized that we can do it better. We can change it up. We can, yeah, we we can just kind of not be willing to step into whatever's next just trying to do the same old, same old pre-COVID-19. So for For Real, um, we're trying to be really creative when it comes to the actual stage, making it more interactive, um, building better sense of interaction even from there. So we don't want students to roll out and just kind of sit there. We want them to to be a part of what's happening, even even from the stage. Um, For Table, same thing. We want young adults to feel like they're part of a discussion, part of a... um, almost like a Bible study with us all together. So right now we're reading through Proverbs and it's going really well. So we're sharing ideas, we're reading during the week. And when we meet, we're sharing in community to talk about what God's doing in our lives. Very cool. So to me, that's the one thing we want to bring back. We want to bring a sense of togetherness and a sense of, um, you know, we're all kind of learning together. Um, We are growing together and we're kind of sharing each other's burdens in that. And uh, I want students and young adults to feel that when we get back to whatever that normal looks like. Yeah. Um, so these generations, the younger the generation, it would seem the more successful online community would be because they seem to live their their lives online. So has that been your experience? Do you feel like that happened uh, that, or not really? That's strange. It, it didn't. Okay. And, and it's weird. I think the younger generations, they live their life online, but mm-hmm. they realize how how shallow it yeah. is. So that's okay when it comes to their like daily interactions. Right. But if they miss out on that actual sense of community, which hopefully the church can provide that for them, then they, they realize that they're missing out on something like really significant in their lives. Mm-hmm. So for them, they've tried to replace that, that meaningful community with something that's very casual, like their interactions with friends. And this is what I eat for lunch today kind of right. interactions. Right. And when you take something that's, like the depth of what the church should be for them yeah. and replace it with something very casual. It just yeah. doesn't work. Right. And I think they've realized that. 
Yeah, that's really powerful. Uh, we were discussing the same idea in an elders meeting recently, and just this idea of, you know, the genius of God to have the church be a community and a, a big portion of what that community is, is gathering together, whatever that looks like, whether it's, you know, for a study, interaction, conversation, or whether it's, you know, more like our, our Sundays or whatever it is, um, this withdrawal for the last two and a half months, three months, um, has kind of reinforced the power of just the power in our faith of seeing someone else and connecting with them in a I don't know if you'll be able to do hugs anymore, but a wave, uh, a wave, you know, an elbow bump or, or whatever. But but seeing other people physically is such a, a huge boost, even to your walk with Christ, you know. And I don't know that anyone fully grasped the power of, of the presence of community yeah. prior to this. I certainly, I mean, I thought it was important, but I don't know that I saw how essential it was. Yeah, I remember when we did the... Um the night of prayer, yeah. um, you know, praying around justice and, and racial reconciliation. Um, when everybody was joined together, I think that was the first time I had seen that, that a number of people together in one place yeah. in person. And it was moving. It was. Like, it, I, I cry in, like at a sad commercial, but that moment almost brought me to tears. It was incredible. And I think so many people felt the need of that in that moment. <laughs> Sam is smirking. You can't see this, but he's yeah. smirking at my propensity it's, to cry at everything he does cry a lot <laughs> but it, it was incredible i think people realized right then and there that they need this face-to-face they need that yeah. connection yep that's a good transition um yesterday uh we participated in the prayer march in norfolk uh with the city collective and uh it was just a, a powerful gathering of more than 100 churches uh to seek uh, justice and well, their their three stated goals were uh, repentance, reform, and relationships. And uh, man, what a what a powerful time that was! And uh, I know you and a, a good contingent of believers folks were there, and I I was there even though yeah. I didn't see you guys. Um, Speaking of the younger generation, there were several references from several different speakers about the hope that's coming from those under 40, basically, you know, I'm 50 plus. (laughs) So anyway, you look look great. Thanks. (laughs) Is that a tear? Yeah, a bunch of of tears. Oh, man, that's so that's so moving. Uh, So in light of all that's happening in our culture, the tensions racially, politically, even philosophically, um, there are people who see a lot of hope in this upcoming generation. Um, what do you see? Uh, what are some of the larger shifts that, that people like me should be aware of? Are you hope-filled like some of the, the speakers yesterday? Or uh, you're neck deep in it. Are you a little less hopeful? No, I'm, I'm definitely hope-filled. Okay. Um, it's weird. I mean, the Bible talks about the the generations passing down certain sins and um, even ideologies and all that, and how, how many generations you have to be removed from something for actual change to be sweeping change. And it is, I think this generation coming up, they are, they're so far removed from some of the, the racism that was just um, 
you know, very obvious and everywhere that they're kind of growing up in a culture where they're saying they're done with it. Yeah. They're ready to actually see change happen. Um, there are young adults who, who are shocked at the racism that is in existence right now. They, um, they want to be a part of that change and they're willing to fight for it. They're willing to move in that direction. And, and it is, I think they're just, they're fed up with it. And, And it's amazing because I think the coming generation into the church, they're very, um, socially aware. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't see the gospel as something separate from social justice. They see yeah. it as something that has to coincide. It has to be, absolutely. you know, together. And, um, it's amazing to see them, you know, loving God and truly loving others through that. So it's exciting. I'm, I'm definitely hope filled. And I think, you know, good change is going to happen, um, you know, through that kind of mindset. Yeah, I, I hope so. I'm, uh, I'm praying to that end with you. I, I feel like we're, we're at a, a moment of significant change, and I love that this rising generation uh, sees um, the integration of the gospel with social change. In the circles that I came to faith in and were, was trained in, um, you know, social gospel kind of had a stigma to it that was negative, and uh, it was almost like if you address those things, you were watering down the real gospel, and, yeah. and I just... I never that never sat well with me, and um, to see a, a generation of people rising up and saying, "No, you know, our our mission is is not only to to make sure people get into heaven, but it's to bring the influences of God's kingdom right here on earth." Uh, it's just such a powerful thing. Yeah. Uh, any any things you see in the rising generations that concern you. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a bunch of things okay. there too. Um, it, it's weird because I think we live in a post-truth world right now. Yeah. And um, the rising generation, they find it so difficult to define what truth actually is. Yeah. So it's weird. It, even like if you look through um, their experiences online, everybody's an expert now. Um, you know, I, I, gosh, I sound old when I say this, but back in the day, uh, you listened to somebody who was credible, who was an expert in that field. Um, they were somebody that you trust because of their their credentials. Right now, everybody, anybody who can make a YouTube video is now an expert. Yep, and their voice is just as loud as the person who has gone to school for thirty years or not thirty years, but thirty years in the the industry. And they're right, they're like professionals. And it's difficult when when everybody's, I guess, opinion becomes truth like that. It's so difficult to try to find what actual truth is. Yeah. So there's so much misinformation out there, especially within the church and around theology and around what the gospel actually is. You have a lot of young adults coming up and they're picking and choosing what they want to follow and what they don't. Yeah. They, I I heard somebody the other day, I was talking with them about, they consider themselves a cultural Christian. They said they love Jesus, but they don't like Paul. (laughs) So I like the gospels because Jesus talks about love and loving your neighbor. That's good. Like that's obviously something we do. But then they get to Paul's letters, and it's way more challenging with the application of that. Like, what does that look like as a church to love our, to love God and love our neighbor? And they said, I don't like Paul because wow. this is the the context of what love looks like within, um, within you know, their culture of, of that day and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, and that's it's, amazing. It's I've never heard that. Yeah, I, I like Jesus, but I do not like Paul, and that's the cultural Christian. Wow. And it's kind of what they're coming up with. I mean, I get the. I get the like Jesus part. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. And if you think about it, right, so Jesus was pretty much like telling us what the kingdom of God looks like. Yeah. Like, hey, the kingdom's 
coming soon. Be ready for it. Love God, love each other, and, yep. and build this framework of, you know, actually being um, a part of God's kingdom. And then Paul steps in and starts showing us what that actually looks like. Yeah. Like, these are the steps to move in that direction. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of young people growing up, they see that as something that goes against some of the truth that they believe. And uh, for them, it's it's a difficult um, thing to kind of wrap their minds around. So they struggle with it. Yeah, and, and it is true. I mean, as I'm, as I'm listening to you and, and just kind of thinking about, you know, some of Paul's um, teachings are harsh mm-hmm. and definitely countercultural and... Um, yeah, if you, you know, our understanding of Paul's letters is, as you said, they're a fuller explanation of the application of the teachings of Jesus. But if you were to just read them at face value and view them as like, okay, well, here's Jesus. He says, love everyone. Here's Paul. He's got all these other things that you got to do. Yeah. But, but it's not really other things. It's this is what love, love looks like. But I could see, yeah, that, that someone could be turned off by that. But I think part of that is... Um, a misunderstanding of what Jesus meant to love. Oh, totally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's this re redefining of words, you know, and that goes back to that whole post truth thing. Um, yeah. People don't, they'll define what that love looks like for them. So it's easy to say, just be love. Mm-hmm. And we say that around here, be love. Yeah. Um, but the dangerous part of that is everyone gets to define it for themselves and no one is wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I forgot he said this. So I wish I could remember. It's such a good quote. They said, God is love, but we have to be dangerous not to make love God. Hmm. I think it might've been C.S. Lewis. I, I love him. So it probably was him. It probably was. And even if it wasn't, he would have said it. He, I'm sure he, he was yeah. thinking it, yeah. but it's such a good <laughs> idea that, you know, God is love, but I think it's dangerous to find ourselves in a place where we start, you know, turning the idea of love itself into some kind of idolatry yeah. where I'm not going to um, sacrifice or I'm not going to do something that goes against what I want to do because yeah. I feel good or it makes me comfortable or this is my understanding of love. And when we allow ourselves to define what love looks like, we're no longer following God. We're yeah. following, you know, our own. Our idea. Stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the definition of idolatry. Yeah. I've created a God that I like in my image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we make God in our image. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's what idolatry is. Yeah, so that's that's really good. And I mean, geez, you you follow Jesus through the Gospels, and he was pretty harsh at times. Mm -hmm. It wasn't this touchy feely (laughs) love thing that I think so many people are thinking of. Yeah, like I mean, we're called to follow his example. Yeah. the servant on the cross. Love is sacrificial. That's right. It's denial of self so that we can truly be, you know, love for others. Yeah. Um, so with that, let's, let's transition to the message that you taught. We started a new series, hashtag goals. Can you tell us um, in a few sentences, <laughs> what is the gist of this series? Yeah, it, it's exciting because I know um, you and I sat down, gosh, months and months ago, just yep. kind of trying to map this out. And um, the idea was, uh, we, we have so many things trying to grab our attention in life, so many goals that we can set, which ones are the right ones. Um, we have very limited time, so we got to make sure we're, we're choosing the best goals for us and our community and our families and, and the church. Yeah. So we wanted to encourage people to um, you know, choose the right goal and then actually, actually see it happen. So many times I think we choose the right goal, but we kind of fizzle out because of all the distractions in life and all the complications that come with that. So, um, yeah, we just really wanted to encourage the church to do that well. And, and more so than just a, 
hey, it's first of the year, New Year's resolutions. Uh, these goals are things that, you know, can, can help you even outside of just that, uh, I guess, time period where people typically feel bad about the previous year. So let's make this year better. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, personal goals at the beginning of the year is a, is a good thing. But I, I think, uh, for, first of all, um, 2020 got derailed. It did, yeah. So any goals that you may have made, you probably forgot what they were by now. I feel like it was so, 2019 was so long ago, it feels like. It does seem that way. It's only six months, but yeah. it seems forever ago. Um, yeah, so that's that's this, uh, you know, you have personal goals, but you're talking more than that. And there's uh, there's so much coming at people, so it's difficult to discern what is what is something worthy to, to pursue. Yeah. Um, how do you... How do you decide what's a worthy thing to go after? Yeah, so we kind of kicked off the series this past week with, I mean, with that very question, right? So what is that good fight? Um, mm-hmm. And it's so hard because I, I, as I was writing, I really wanted to make sure I was looking at my own life to look at the fights that I'm fighting for and ask myself, is this worthy of God's name? Um, and I think that's, that's really the angle that I started with, and I really wanted to make sure I communicated that throughout the whole message like, is this a goal that is worthy of God's name? So if, if I am an ambassador for Jesus, then every single fight that I fight for and every goal that I make also represents him. So it was no longer just like, this is what Doug wants to do, but, you know, I represent Jesus himself on, on earth here, and I'm his ambassador, and it's my job to, to be a part of that kingdom. So is this a goal that's worthy enough to carry the name of Jesus? Yeah. And that's humbling. Yeah. I think when I was looking at my own life, I saw a lot of goals that were clearly Doug goals mm-hmm. and, and fights that Doug wanted to fight. Yeah. Um, and I had to process that and think about it and, and ask myself, is this something that, that Jesus is actually calling me to do? Yeah. Yeah. So the, it's this idea. I mean, there's lots of worthy things that a person could put their time and energy into, but the focus in this series is really, um, you know, what is, what is bigger than you? What is transcendent? Mm-hmm. It, it's bigger than just making your life better. It's about making, um, yeah. Is this worthy of God's kingdom? Yeah. And you talked a lot about, um, the two kingdoms, the kingdom of Doug. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very scary kingdom. Population one. Yeah. Uh, we all, we all are Kings in or Queens in our own domain. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you know when you're, I love the, I love the description that you gave, you know, like how you'll kind of cross, uh, you know, kingdom boundaries yeah. back and forth when it's convenient. And when I need something from God, I run over to his kingdom. And when I get distracted, I run back over to mine, starting to pursue my own stuff. How do you, how do you stay aligned with the right kingdom. It's, that's a hard thing to do. How do you, yeah. how do you do that? It, it is, it's hard and it's not as easy as simply like, Oh, well, I'm going to open up this book of the Bible and read my instructions for the day. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't really happen that way. Um, it's weird for the table. We've been going through Proverbs and this central theme of Proverbs is seeking God's wisdom and not just our own. Yep. And it's a problem that starts in Genesis, even where Eve she saw the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and it was good to her own eye. It was pleasing to what she wanted. 
and she completely went around what God wanted in order to achieve it. So I think there's so many things in life where we want to take the shortcut, we want the easy way, we want to do it our way, so we, we circumvent God entirely. We seek our own wisdom, our own understanding, instead of like really thoughtfully spending time in prayer and seeking God's. So I think it, it has to start with that, right? Like a total reliance on God's wisdom, on God's truth, um, you know, God's commands that he has for us, the commands that Jesus has given us to just complete reliance on that and the trust that God's will is done. When it's God's will is done in our lives, it's going to be a sacrifice. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be best for, you know, our community at large. Yeah. Um, I think um, it, to to do this well, there it's best done in, in community where, um, you know, you're not just locked up in a prayer closet. Yeah. You could end up in a not a great pursuit, I think, <laughs> sometimes. Uh, but I think there's clarity that comes in community. And uh, you talked about the importance of mentoring because the, the verses that we're looking at uh, were written to Timothy, mm-hmm. who was being mentored by Paul. Um, and so you talked about the importance of a mentor. And um, I know this is a theme that you that you hit on a lot. And so I, I wanted to ask you, how have you personally benefited from having a mentor? And how does one go about finding one? Like, what, what, is, what does that actually look like? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think if I look at the people in my life that have impacted me the most, they were friends who are willing to, you know, mentor me. And I think a lot of times when we think of mentor, it's this idea of like, an older individual who's wise and is kind of helping somebody who's younger, but it can be an iron sharpening iron. It could be a friend mm-hmm. who's gone through an experience already that you haven't, or somebody who's overcome an obstacle that you're still struggling with. Yeah. Um, the, the, the mentor is somebody who's able to speak into your life in ways that maybe you don't see yourself. And I think that's the importance of it. A mentor can actually look at your life and show you something that you are blind to. Uh, they're able to help you to overcome an obstacle that maybe you weren't even aware of. And um, they're able to provide guidance because, you know, they've been through it. And I guess the best way of, of learning is to either go through it yourself or learn somebody who's already been through it. So um, I don't know. I, I think if you're looking at finding a mentor, to find somebody who is wise, somebody that is godly, somebody who loves others, and um, even just uh, approach them say, hey, I, I'd love to meet up. I'd love to find an accountability partner. I need somebody to, to help me to understand how to follow Jesus more closely. And, and I appreciate what I've seen in your life. And I, I want to see that same result in my life. It could be something as easy as just grabbing a cup of coffee once a week or once a month or just yeah. chatting online or sending emails. Uh, that mentorship is just anytime somebody is able to, to speak into your life and show you truths that maybe you yourself don't see. So would you say, um, like, like it doesn't necessarily even have to be a formalized thing if I'm hearing you right. Cause you're talking about iron sharpening iron, you know, it could be just, um, you know, a friend, um, not necessarily, you know, like the sage, yeah, <laughs> the old Yoda kind of guy or whatever. Um, so it could just be being intentional with the relationships that you have. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, totally. And being humble enough to learn from others 
to help you be better. Is that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bob Goff said, he said, the people that have influenced me the most didn't think they were my teachers. They just yeah. thought they were my friends. That's so good. That's so powerful. Yeah. And it is. I, I think we Was all Was that Bob have, Goff or C.S. Lewis? Both, I think. Okay. <laughs> um, so they, they, um, it's amazing because it is. I think we have such potential all around us. We have these relationships that can sharpen us. We yeah. have to make ourselves vulnerable enough to seek it. We have to make ourselves... And that's the hard part, right? To be vulnerable in a place where you allow somebody else to speak into your life and you actually listen. Yeah. You go online right now and there's so many people fighting back and forth and they say, I'm completely right or I'm completely right. And they're unwilling to actually see the other person's side of things. Truth truth is almost always in the messy middle. Yeah. Almost always. And, And it's sad because like we'll never find a mentor if we're not willing to let somebody speak and we actually listen to them. Yeah. So um, that, that truth, you know, if, if mentoring happens just by being intentional with the relationships around me, formal or informal, I'm learning, I'm humble, um, that speaks to something else that um, I'm not sure, I don't think you necessarily hit on this in the message, but I, I think it's, it's good to mention in, in this context, and that, that means the people you are surrounding yourself with is one of the most important decisions you could possibly make. Oh yeah. So, um, how do you get intentional there? <laughs> like what someone's listening and they're like, yeah, I need some good mentor kind of folks in my life. Yeah. How, how do you, how do you get the right people around you? Yeah. yeah. So, um, time, it, it takes time with that person. So I look in my life and I see my closest friends are the people that I usually spend the most time with. Um, they're people that I serve with in church. They're people that I do Bible study with. They're people that I worship with on Sunday morning. Um, they're individuals that I've spent time living life with them. And I, I think the more shared experiences you have with somebody, the more intimate that relationship becomes. You feel more willing to open up to them. You share what's going on in your life. They've, they see your house, they see your life, they see everything about you. And it doesn't happen overnight, but there's this, this intimacy that we build when we actually live life with somebody else in that context. And I think those are the most meaningful relationships. So if somebody's looking for a relationship like that, it, it just it starts with being that friend, to, to be that person who's willing to be there for somebody else. Um, I think a lot of times we go in life expecting friends just to come and seek us out. Yeah. And I think the first step is to be willing to actually be that person for somebody else, yeah. to help somebody, to worship alongside somebody, to, to carry somebody's burden. Man, if, if you want to build that relationship, if you help carry somebody's burden, um, help them through a difficult time, it's like instant relationship strengthening power, like right then and there. Yeah. And, and um, you know, to get that, like all the things you mentioned, uh, sharing someone's burden, praying with someone, worshiping with someone, uh, allowing them to to see how you're living outside of you know just in your normal routine. Um, you know, everyone's surrounded with someone, but they may not be the best people. So, like those people, the people that you're mentioning, like mm-hmm. if you want to if you want to be mentored to fight a fight that that is about God's kingdom, you have to hang around and engage with kingdom minded people. Yeah, totally. And, um, I think that's, a, I think that's one of the, the big challenges is, uh, I don't, I don't think people take 
nearly seriously enough the role that the people they've placed around them play. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I think, you know, not just attending church, not just watching online, but actual engagement is uh, where those relationships are going to are going to flourish and you're going to find those. Yeah. And it makes sense that if relationships are built with time spent, then if, if we're in God's word and we're worshiping and we are serving the way we should, then naturally we're going to build relationships with the people that are doing the same thing. So if I'm spending time in God's word, studying it and people come alongside me do that, then we have the shared experience of, of God himself speaking into our lives. And it is like you're, you're building the relationships kind of around the things that you want to do as well. So if I'm not spending time in the church and not spending time in God's word and not spending time serving, then I'm going to build relationships outside of all that, yep. which like could be harmful and, and hurtful. And they're not going to help me to, I guess, further God's kingdom. Yeah. Uh, last question. What are some uh, of your goals for this series? Like if it, as you know, we always kind of pray through a series. What are we hoping to accomplish? What do we want to see happen? What are some of those? Uh, so I, I can start with like personal goals. Sure. Um, I think when I started writing the first message, it was before a lot of the, the racial tensions started happening in our nation, at least with the, the current kind yeah. of like influx of them. Yep. And um, something I've, I've heard a ton and it's something I'm trying to do better at as well is just to listen. And that's a, that's always been a goal of mine, but I think now even more so just to be willing to listen both to God and listen to others around me to not jump into a situation and assume I have the answer or to assume that, that I'm in the right, but yeah. just to be willing to listen. And I think if, I know for me personally, when I'm listening to God, then he shows me the things that need to change. Yeah. Like he shows me the goals that I should have. The hard part is, is just finding time in my day to listen and to being honest and open and to be courageous enough to actually, like when God speaks, to move and to actually do it. And it does. It takes sacrifice, and it takes it takes a lot of humility, and a lot of um, you know pleading for forgiveness. But uh, yeah, when we listen, we're definitely able to move in that direction. And, and I truly believe the more we listen, the easier it gets, and the more obvious those goals are going to become in our individual lives. Yeah. Um, and I think from a community, I, I think it's kind of the same thing. Like as a church, if we are listening to our community if we're listening to the people around us that are hurting, that are um, kind of frustrated, that have questions, that have doubts, then uh, God's going to equip us to be able to be exactly what our community needs. So as a church, if we're listening and we're listening to community as well, then those goals will become crystal clear and obvious, and we we step towards that. Yeah, I I think that's so good. I I think... um... I've been posting a lot of just one verse and one line that I'll include in it is, you know, if we would just decide to live this out, we literally could change our world. Yeah. And yeah, if we could listen to the needs of our community and be as a church kingdom minded enough that we disrupt our own agenda for God's agenda, how much, how much more Christ-like, how much more, kingdom oriented could our community look i mean that's just an amazing thought it is and i love what you said there to disrupt my own agenda yep like reading second timothy paul at the end of his life had nothing he even tells um 
Timothy, like, hey, when you come visit me, bring my parchments and my, my, um, like my writings and my cloak. Like, that's it. The guy's got a cloak and he's got some um, Old Testament like scrolls. And that's, that's all he has at yeah. the end of his life. Yeah. And, and he doesn't regret it. Yeah. He doesn't say like, oh man, I wish I would have bought that amazing house. Or yeah. I wish I would have bought that new, like whatever car. Or yeah. so that's cool. all he has. <laughs> They're whatever the equivalent of a car in his day. Yeah, chariot maybe. The, yeah, the chariot, the chariot of fire, the new, Ooh. the new model. It's the new. It's hot. <laughs> the new model. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not only does he not regret it, he feels as if he's closer than he's ever been to achieving the goals that he set. Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah, no distractions. Yeah, we'll talk more about that next week in next week's message. Doug, thanks so much for being here. Uh, this, I'm positive, will not be your last time awesome. on the podcast. This is my first podcast, by the way. Really? This is the very first podcast I've ever been on. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored that you chose to be here. Yeah. Even though it kind of had to be. <laughs> well, anyway, that's all we got time for today. This is the part that Heather normally does. She does such a good job with it, but I'm going to read the script that she wrote. Mm-hmm. If you're enjoying the Made for Mondays podcast, please share on your social media feeds. Everyone invite one person to listen. We can double our listenership next week. Each one, invite one. Be sure to leave a positive rating and review. Also, from time to time, we'll be doing episodes that will answer your questions. Uh, To date, we have gotten three. We answered two of them last week. That's amazing. So, were, yeah. they, were they good? Yeah, they were really good. That's awesome. Yeah, you can listen to the, that's uh, on your to-do list for this week. Listen to last week's <laughs> podcast, yeah. Doug. I'm going to listen to this one first. Okay. <laughs> you made this one. I, I, forgot, anyway. I forgot half of what I said already. All right. So um, let me keep going here. Uh, yes, answer your questions. That's right. Uh, do you have questions about this conversation, about other topics? You can send them. To us by emailing made for Mondays at believerschurch.org. Heather and I will get them directly. The link will be included in the show notes. By the way, on July 12th, we are launching a brand new series, and that is right around the corner. The name of the series is You Asked For It. And each week of the series, we will answer your questions. So if you have a question about faith, the Bible, how to live out your faith in life, whatever the the question happens to be, it could very possibly turn into a message topic. So send your questions to us at the Made for Mondays email address. But you asked for it in the subject line so that we can start populating that series. Uh, It's going to be a fun series, very interactive. So we need your questions to make that possible. Thanks for being here, friends. Let's do all we can this week 